hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today. And so I mentioned last week that when Paul went to Athens, he had no intention of preaching Jesus. He was frustrated, he was without helpers, and frankly, he needed rest. And when he left, although he'd seen a few Athenians receive Jesus, he also had no intention of preaching Jesus in his next stop, Corinth, either. He was still frustrated. He still needed rest. He was still lonely, was even more discouraged, and was probably questioning his effectiveness to fulfill the calling without a partner in ministry. In fact, he'd later write to the Corinthians how he was feeling when he first came to their city. He said, I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling in fear. Frankly, Paul was struggling. I want to talk to you about that today in a message that we're calling The Struggle is Real. My name is Pastor Scott, and welcome to Chew on That, where we uh, just take a little bit of time and talk about the the message from the last week um, at Life Church uh, in Green Bay. Uh, today, my guest is my friend Heather Lindsley. Say hello, Heather. Hello. I'm so glad that she's here. She's one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world. In fact, a lot of people probably don't know you uh, the way I know you. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been in Green I Bay see Heather right now since I was somehow being online or on on air. She's like shrunk. She's like half the size that she normally is. It's like she's like so nervous about this. She got super duper small. Her shoulders got small. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I have been living in Green Bay since I was three. I was originally born in Indianapolis and then moved with my mom and dad when we when I was three. I have four children, three boys and a girl, all in the 24 six to 22 year old range. Um, my husband, Mike, is a district manager for Palermo's Pizza and I am a financial advisor. So I love to educate people in regards to anything that has to do with money. I sit down and work with people on budgeting, helping them get out of credit card debt. Um, if there's time or money in the budget, then we might look at starting to, you know, retirement plans as early as we can. Sometimes I start really early with the kids who are just out of college before they have debt. Yeah. And then I can keep help keep them out of debt. Yeah. I think but, we've all seen that thing, right? Like yeah. if, 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 if between the ages of 20 and 32, if you put a hundred dollars a month away, right. And then just don't do another thing the rest of your life, you'll be a bajillionaire. It's but if you, crazy. Uh, like everyone should have to do that. Like everyone should either have to like say that they've seen that or acknowledge that they've been told that or something, because I just feel like we'd all be so much better off. But I thought of you this weekend because I was up in the Door County and Abe and I were uh, in Egg Harbor, we were looking around the marina and there was this really beautiful boat. It's just like, oh man, it's like this all wood with a barrel back, three cockpit, right? And so it looks like they're going for about 110,000. So I'm trying to figure out like how I can start saving for that. Because I'm 53, and I think I have approximately $85 in my retirement account. <laughs> so I'm just wondering how I can, like, I don't know, leverage that. Maybe we can talk afterwards. Yeah, offline for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So Heather and I met because uh, I was taking pictures mm-hmm. um, for the Compass here in town, which is the diocesan newspaper. And Heather was one of the first winners of people who lived out their faith in their workplace. And... Um, and it's like, I think it's a really cool award. Like, I think it's, I mean, I think that's fantastic. And so, because I think we should acknowledge that people don't have to be priests or other religious to live out their faith in their workplace. And so I love that you were one of the first. Then we met and like, just, I don't know, like we became friends. We did. Yep. Yeah. It was and amazing. So, yeah. You asked me to 
you went out on a limb. I could tell you were a little nervous. You said, I want to ask you something. And I thought, oh boy, you know, do I have something in my face? <laughs> <laughs> and um, you just were so open about saying, maybe you should just come and see what Life Church has to offer. And I have never looked back. Man, I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like I said, we talk about uh, Sean's message uh, from the previous week. So, and what we'll do is we'll just listen to a clip and we'll discuss it. So let's just jump into the first clip. I mean, if you haven't connected with Paul to this point, think of it like this. His economic stimulus had run out and he was having to scramble to make ends meet. He's trying to focus on what God's called him to do while being forced to go back to work with financial uncertainty clouding his mind. So doubt probably entered into his mind again about having parted ways with Barnabas. He probably thought, you know, Barnabas really was a good friend. He really was a good brother. I mean, he endorsed me when none of the Jews accepted me. He supported me in so many ways. I mean, why was I so stubborn? Why was I such a hothead? Why can't I just get out of my own way? Can you relate to that? Are there things that felt right at the time, but now they haunt you with regret? So I feel like this COVID thing has given us all the chance has given us all a chance to stop moving, right? Stop chasing, stop running. And like these reflections of like, oh my gosh, like not just stuff that's happened in the last three months, but just things in our life that we just, you know, we can, I feel like it's easy to put stuff on a back burner or in the, like on the, on the top shelf and just kind of forget about it for a second. Mm -hmm. And, but I feel like COVID has caused us all to have all this time on our hands where we can start thinking about those things, our regrets, you know, when, when should I have zagged when I said I zigged or when did it, should I, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And so, I mean, there was like, was it, was that, did you see that? Did you have I, that kind of time in your hands? I did. I, um, probably the second week of March or so is when we decided to close the office and work from home. Um, which is very difficult for me in my profession. I'm very much a social person. Yeah. Um, very much an introverted social person, which is kind of backwards. But um, if I can't see somebody and talk to them face to face, we're not doing business. Yeah. Did I have Zoom calls? Did I talk to people on the phone? Absolutely. But I was going out of my mind doing that. Um, and I listened to people who said that they got their house as clean as it's ever been and you could eat off of you know the floor and my house never got cleaner. I, I've never been one who has taken the time to say that every Saturday morning we have to clean the house or right. I prefer to spend time with family. Well, now all my children are out of the house, so I couldn't even spend time with them. And um, Mike has some underlying health issues, so the kids didn't want to come home because they didn't want to put him at risk, uh. right? So now it's just Mike and I, um, which is okay, but... It's hard. It's hard to sit in the same walls. And, you know, I found, I found myself sitting at the kitchen table and then I would go to the couch and then I would sit on the floor in my bedroom just trying to find different walls to look at yeah. um, to get through the day. Uh, I did a lot of studying while I was home alone and um, I think that I improved myself that way. I did a lot of reading. But I think I also learned that I don't need to move as fast. Mm. And I don't know that I ever want to move as fast. Um, we're back at the office now, and 
I've just been very open with my clients. You can come in. You don't have to come in. If you want to have a phone call, we'll have a phone call. You know, there's no rush. You know, yeah. you know like it's I've just slowed everything way down. And, you know, if I get to two o'clock in the afternoon and I have nothing going the rest of the day, I don't find the need to sit at the office until five o'clock, right? right? Like right. I would rather go home and spend time with whoever I might be able to drum up in the neighborhood, go yep. for a walk yep. or enjoy nature. Yeah. And before I would have never done that. I would have been in the office till 5.30 or six. And doing what is the question, right? right. Like that, I think that's what is on everybody's mind is how much time did we waste doing nothing. Right, just because we felt like that was the expectation. Right. Right, and if we weren't doing it, we thought we might be failures or we're lazy or we're, I mean, that's for me anyway. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. It's like a generational thing or something, but like, mm. yeah, I, you know, for me, I feel like it was, I've not been busier. Correct. It's, and yet more reflective. Like it's it's been a, it's a, it's a crazy upside down time for me right now. Like there were um, there were conversations I was avoiding with my wife. No, nothing big. Like nothing like oh my gosh, rah rah rah. Right. But like I don't know. Like when you're both trying to be so busy and you're both trying to like I don't know. She's a really successful communications and marketing person at a production manufacturer manufacturer here in town, and. Um, She's really good at it. And she's really good at being a friend to her friend. She's really good at pursuing gym stuff. Not a guy named Jim, but they, like a gym <laughs> thing. And like way better than I am. And she's just, but I was, you know, trying to pursue all my stuff. I, and so I came back. I mentioned being in Door County. I came back from Door County yesterday. I said, listen, I feel like we're in so many ways pursuing the best version of ourselves, living our best lives, but there's this place where our lives overlap that we didn't spend any time on that. Like we didn't spend any time on our marriage. Like we didn't, you know, we mm -hmm. got so good at being, you know, independent and, you know, that we totally, you know, and I said, I, I don't wanna do that anymore. And this is a conversation for me that I probably should have had, you know, before COVID, before, but I'm, I'm such a, we were talking before the show about, there's this, you know, thing that's happening at LC downtown, and I'm not really a good uh, confrontational person. I'm not a good, like, I'm not good with any of that. And so, like, I would just avoid it with my wife. I'd just be like, nope, don't want it, because I don't know what, I'm just, nope. And I thought, but, like, the not knowing or not having the conversation, like, I wasn't full power. And right. so it was just, it was, anyway, it was good. So I feel like just this whole season has me doing stuff like that, thinking about the things that I'm living regret, reg regretfully, regrettably, and the thing, I don't know, like, I just feel like that's all of that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, like, I don't regret regret. Like, there's, like, I don't look back at my life and think, oh, if only I'd had, right? Like, I feel like all the, all the crappy things that happened to me in my life have made me who I am. Right. We had that conversation last night at, at our uh, table, too, and very much everybody agreed. You you can't be who you are today. You couldn't have gotten where you are without the mistakes, the mishaps, yeah. the zigging, the zagging. And you did what you thought it was right at the time, you know, and um, my daughter was sitting at the table and one of the gals looked across the table and said, I could tell you stories that hopefully would keep you from potentially making some of the same, same mistakes that I made in my life. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's still your choice. It's, yeah. it's your choice and you have to make it and you have to live it. And, yeah. you know, and that's right. That's how we all get to be who we are. Yeah. 
And just as a little plug, I love that that's what we do at LC Downtown, that, you know, we listen to Sean's whole message just like you do at any other place. But then, you know, while you're at this table with people that you've been developing a friendship and a relationship with, you talk about it. You work those things out. It, it really fleshes out the message for me. And, like, it makes it, like, I feel like I'm, like, I'm more deeply rooted, you know, in what in what's said there. So. Yeah. And I yeah. think it gives people the opportunity to ask the hard questions because there's there's nobody there telling you you're right or you're wrong. Yeah. There's other people that when you bring up a question, uh, you might be surprised that half the table says, I have that same question. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it really allows for some great conversation. And I just feel like you don't get that in a typical church. Environment. No. If you're just sitting in a pew or in a chair in a row, looking at the back of someone's head, you don't get that opportunity. Not at all. Yeah. Love that. Let's listen to the next one. It, it wasn't a place you would have expected to meet a follower of Jesus. But to Paul's pleasant surprise, that's exactly what happened. Shortly after his arrival, he met followers of Jesus who told him that they'd met visiting merchants from Thessalonica who had openly, unashamedly shared the message of Jesus with them. And can I encourage you? These Thessalonian believers were no more qualified than you feel like you are. I mean, they'd only known Jesus for a few weeks, and, and yet they're used by God to encourage the most prominent person God was using in the world at that time. And I wonder, who might God want to use you to encourage? So you're, I mean, like, I know that you are a financial planner, counselor, help people outer, right? Right. Real money comes when you sell something. Correct. Right. And so, and I've tried to sell things. But I'm a lousy salesperson because, um, like, I feel like I can talk to people, but I can't close people. Like, I can't get them to make the decision. I'm just really lousy at that. Anyway, but, like, so we're both kind of marketers. Mm -hmm. This is the point I'm kind of get to. And I feel like there's no greater argument you can make to someone who's thinking about buying into something or not than to have someone else share their experience, right? A testimonial, Correct. right? Or like a, or a review or a, you know, one of those kind of things. Like those are the most convincing things. Right. And for some reason, when it comes to this Jesus journey thing, like we kind of like just leave it up to who we think the experts are. Like, well, it's not really my job to let people know about Jesus. Sean will take care of that. Right. Or, you know, like pastor, whoever, or father, whoever, like it's their job to take care of that. It's just my job to follow the rules. But when I think about, because if you think about it for a second, the, the growth of the Christian faith in the first century, like defied all logic and all reasoning, right? It was like, there's no way that the world should have become Christian that fast and that wide and that, you know, broad, Right with the system. There's just, there's just, there was no internet. There's no television. There's no radio. There's no newspapers. There was no, right? Just one dude telling another dude, one chick telling another chick, right? I got to tell you about this thing. And that's how people found out about Jesus. And that's how our faith grew. And so, but today, we're like, I'm not qualified to talk about Jesus. I don't know where things are in the Bible. In fact, I don't even know where my Bible is right now. Or I don't know, you know, I don't have the answers to the questions. But really, that's not, the thing at all. It's not about being qualified. It's being experienced or having had the experience of what Jesus has done in your life. And not being afraid. And not being afraid. Right. Because on the other side of the table is judgment. So if you try to talk about Jesus or God or, or whatever, 
aspect in the Bible that you bring up? If you don't know all the ins and outs of the story, are you quoting the wrong piece? Are you taking it out of context? Um, so I think that just the normal fear factor takes over and it's much easier to say, well, let, let's go, let's go find the answer. Let's find somebody who knows the answer when in essence, maybe nobody knows the answer. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's tough, especially when you, um, are newer to the, to reading the Bible and finding out about all the different stories. And I mean, when I went to church every Sunday, you could pretty much, you know, word for word to say what the gospel was going to be that day, right? You knew what Sunday it was in ordinary time and you knew which story was going to be. But those are the only stories you know and you don't know the backstory to those stories yeah. or the backstory to the backstory of those stories. Right. You know, I, I think that there's so many amazing stories and even if you don't know what they're about to just sit around and talk to people about them really helps. But yeah. you have to get past the judgment because why don't you know that? You know that it always comes back to how are how am I going to be looked at if I don't, or if I speak wrong? Right. Yeah. So at some point you have to figure out like whether you care what someone thinks or not. Correct. You know, I was, I was with Abe. I keep telling the same stories. I was with Abe this weekend and, uh, we were at the farm, like the, the goat pig place in Sturgeon Bay. And the goats were so verbal. Like they were just like, right? You know what I mean? And I do the goat sound really, really good, right? You do. <laughs> and so I kept making the goat sound. And A was like so embarrassed that I was making the goat sound. And I'm like, buddy, what do you care what these people think? Like you're never going to see these people again. Mm-hmm. Like if it makes you laugh that I make the goat sound and we goof around, we have a good time. Like isn't that all that matters? Like what really matters if someone thinks that your dad's a dork? Or that you must be a dork because your dad's a dork. Like, what do we care? Right. You know? And I, I don't know. Like, I don't care anymore. Like, I, I used to care a lot mm-hmm. about what people thought of me. And then I'm like, I mean, I'm cool with who I am. Right. And I think that's what you have to come to, though, right? You, everybody has to come to that realization that we're all individual and we're all in his image. So yeah. we, there's nothing wrong with any of us. Right. We're just different. And that's okay. Right. The other thing you touched on a little bit that I just want to pull, just jump back to is like, you know, I mentioned how we met and how you'd won this award as a, so you were raised Catholic, right? Like Correct. Catholic, Catholic. Catholic, Catholic. Yep. yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Nope. I know a lot of great Catholic people, right? Mm-hmm. And so. My mom. Like your mom. <laughs> and I met your mom. I've seen yep. pictures of your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> but there's a, there's a difference in how we talk about our faith when we were Catholic as opposed to now. Like, I feel like it's a different, you mean like, the, you didn't, as a Catholic, I didn't know what I was supposed to talk about. Like if, if I wasn't gonna talk about whose feast day it was, right? or if I wasn't gonna talk about, I don't know. This is a holy day or not? Right. Like, what was I really gonna talk about? It wasn't about a relationship really. No. You know, or like what Jesus was gonna do for me, unless I was trying to sell a house, and then I knew that if I buried a statue of St. Joseph, upside down. Right hand corner. Right, facing the street, mm-hmm. that my house would sell. As though God's like some kind of voodoo thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but I just like, it's just a different, it's a different understanding of who God is and who Jesus is. When we, when we take, when we take out that piece where it's got to go through the church, if we take out that piece, it's the middleman. It's joy. It's truly joy because you, you can't even think about going to church without smiling because you're going to see people and you're going to feel the atmosphere and you're going to be surrounded with other people who are just as joyful as you are. And you know, you can talk 
in any way to any of them and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Right. When, you know, even with our kids growing up, you know, the, the it was the dreaded Sunday morning, you know, alarm clock going off and you had to get into your best dress right. clothes and go to church and everybody sat there. Nobody got anything out of it. By the time we got home, everybody was fighting. Well, what good does that do? Yeah. I mean, that just, to me, that's not what it's supposed to be about. And I think that's why I was so open to finding something different. And um, I feel like, I mean, there's probably plenty of people, right. That can find full and meaningful relationship with God through that in that model. Absolutely. Me, I couldn't do it. Correct. Right. Like, because you talked earlier about how we're all the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And th- this is a—I mean—that's a Catholic thing too, right? Imago Dei, I think, is like image of God in Latin. Anyway, maybe I don't want to say imago. It's I M A G O. I don't know. I didn't take Latin, but anyway. But if we're all the image of God, I don't need to go like where there's like a reliquary. I don't need to go where, you know, there's like, like a sacred space, you know, with special candles and special smoke. Really, that's not. Those are still just symbols. Correct. So why would I mess around for me anyway? Why would I mess around with symbols or, you know, substitutions of the image of God when, like, I could sit across the table from the image of God and figure this out together? Mm-hmm. Like, you're sacred, right? Like, way more than, like, fancy red candle or th- turbo. Turbo? Turbo? Mm-hmm. I keep asking you like you would know, and, like, you always do that. We do this all the time. We play this game. Yeah. Uh, I ask you what the Catholic thing is. Anyway, it's like that little incense yeah. thing. The turbo, I think. Yeah. It's like turbo. ching because it hits the chain. Anyway, I don't need symbolic smoke to help me feel closer to God. I need like to feel closer to God and I can do that when I have a relationship. Because a lot of people will hear what you just said about like, I like going to church because I want to see the people that I love and the people I have connection with, the people I care about. Like it's not a social, this is what I, I imagine, like like staunch church, high church people, like it's not a social engagement. It's about the reverence and sacredness of the Eucharist and, and being. It is, but then there's the time when you are going to church before you're going to a Packer game and you're in your Packer clothes and you can feel the eyeballs burning a hole through your head because they can't believe that you wore your Packer clothes to church. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it goes all back to the judgment again. Obviously I didn't care what they thought of me because I wore my Packer clothes to church, but there was still the judgment, you know, and I, I feel that, um, in this environment of life church, I don't, I don't feel like someone's judging me by what I'm wearing. They are judging me by who I am and all of them are willing to see past my inequities and, right. you know, yeah. love me anyway. Anything that we have at church should add to our experience to draw closer to God. And if it proves to be an j- obstacle or if it proves to be, you know, like a, like a deterrent, to that, then we should just be weeding that stuff out. Right. right? And so for some of us, it's, it's just got to be, I'm going to sit down in a room and have a guy tell me what the Bible says and what that Bible means. I got to pull all the other things up because they, they are proving to be an obstacle or a distraction for me. They're not, they're not getting me closer. They're not giving me a boost, right? Or hands or a hit. Right. That's a boost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's not giving me a boost. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's causing other people to look at me and it's right. Anyway, that's good. God loves us so much that he would warn us about a counterfeit love. One that's driven and defined by our longings and our lusts, whether that be a heterosexual or a homosexual counterfeit. Because God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. 
here Sean's talking about, like in, in Greek, there's like 15 words for love, depending on the kind of love that you're talking about. And so relatively new on the scene, I don't know if Sean said that, that, that Paul and his people developed agape love, but they talked about how agape love is love for love's sake, is the purest love. There's no expectation. There's no, you know, ulterior motive. There's no, you know, sidecar to it. It's just love for love, right? As opposed to in this part of Sean's sermon, you should totally listen to the whole thing if you haven't already, where he was talking about eros love, which is like physical love, which is like passionate love, which is like, for many of us, like dirty love, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was talking about how in uh, in Corinthia, mm-hmm. Corinth, Corinth, <laughs> you're close. <laughs> Do you remember? Like, so we're kind of the same age. Yes. But there was this car. It was a Chrysler car, the Chrysler Cordoba, mm-hmm. and um, and the spokesman for the Chrysler Cordoba was the guy from Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. Why can't I think of that guy's name? And not Tattoo, the other guy. Not tattoo, not the little guy. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're like middle-aged, really handsome, gray, mm-hmm. salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Ricardo Maltabon. No, yes. Yes. Anyway, he was the spokesman for the for this. Yes, he was. Professor Cordoba. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about the fine Corinthian leather that it had. But there was like, at that time, there wasn't a place called Corinth. And there was certainly, like, it wasn't famous for like their leather goods. Anyway. That has nothing to do with our conversation. I just thought of Corinthian leather. Anyway, uh, right. So we're talking about agape, agape, and eros, and how in Corinth, where Paul was at this time, like it was the city of love, but the eros kind of love, and that if you were a person that if you were dirty or perverted, they would call you a Corinthian. Man, you're so dirty. You're a Corinthian, right? Like, right. And so because it was like it was such that was that kind of town, and so. So when Sean's talking about an artificial love or a uh, counterfeit love, he's saying that, is it possible that Eros is a counterfeit love to agape, where like agape is like, is like a true love. When I, when I think of agape love, I think of the first time you look at your newborn child, Mm. right? Like, I mean, it's just so clean and so crisp and there's just. There's absolutely nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anything. Yeah. You, you're not going to see any flaws. You don't, you just don't see anything. It's just an amazing love that you feel. That's good. Hmm. We need to pursue that. Right? right. We need to, we need to find that in our lives. I mean, certainly we need Eros love and in our intimate relationships and we need to find uh, what are the other 15 loves, right? I mean, like there's, I mean, you know, that there's, but the, the, but the baseline, for every love should be this agape love that, you know, the love I have for my wife, while there are other parts of love, like there should for sure be a baseline of agape love that I should love her just for love's sake. We talked about this conversation that I had had with her when I got back. And it was, was kind of a conversation that you want to have when you're mad, but you never do because you're mad and you're yelling and no one's going to hear anything anyway. And so it was nice just to like, hey, I just need to be real for you with you for a second where there's no high heightened you know, sensitivity, there's no, you know, emotions, right? Or I could just say, listen, I, I miss like acting like I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Again, not in an Eros way or like a, but just like loving you for love's sake. Right. And, and I, I, I would withhold that from you because of whatever. Right. right. I, I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm made to agape you. I'm made to agape you. And I think that to some degree, COVID has 
mm-hmm. put that wedge, right? Because now all of a sudden you can't go to the movies, you can't go out to dinner, you can't go have a drink, right? Like yeah. all of that was taken away. So to be able to have those conversations and be able to, to have that um, special night out was now a special night in, yeah. but it gets old, yeah. right? I mean, after week number two, how many times can you have steak? How many times can you have chicken and pork chops, you know, and make it different? Yeah. Well, let's, let's sit at the counter tonight. Oh, maybe tonight we'll use TV trays and sit in the living room. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard and it, it makes you go that extra step to try to figure out what that might mean to show that person, you know, that they're still special. Yeah. Uh, Mike is a, a lover of sweets. And so I made it a um, weekly chore to try and find a new piece of candy for him at, you know, while I was grocery shopping and that it was not a big deal. Right. But it showed him that although I was just doing the weekly grocery shopping, I tried to do something yeah. for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, this isn't a marriage podcast, but like, uh, so many of us just want to just want to know that we're being thought of, or that we're being regarded, or that we are of consequence, right? Some of us in this busy world where we would stay at work until five or six just because we were supposed to stay at work until five or six, or you know had to get so many things accomplished to say that look, my to do list was this long and I got it all done. That that the people that should be of consequence to us weren't right, mm-hmm. and. In COVID, I feel like maybe that's just been, uh, you know, revealed. That's been an eye opener for sure. Laid bare. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I dig that. Okay. But what I do know is that we're all born with something. Because scripture says we were born in sin and shapened in iniquity. And I get it. Whether you're a liar or a thief, a fornicator, or you have gender confusion, the struggle is real. And if I'm totally honest, how people are born isn't an issue for me, but how they die is. So this topic, this sermon got heavy last night uh, at LC downtown when we got to this place, right? Because like it's a hot topic, right? Right. Gay, not gay, right? Like it's as hot as race, right? And so... um, You know, wherever you land on this thing about homosexuals and like, I'm not smart enough. Does that include like both sides? Is that a both side thing? Can you say like, is both sides? Are you homosexual if you're a woman? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I should have a conversation with some gay people and find out what my right vernacular is. Just like I should have conversations with black people and find out what my right, right? Yes. We've been avoiding those conversations our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Like we just think it's friends. Like, I'm friends with a black dude. Or I'm friends with a gay girl, right? Like we think that's enough, but we don't ever ask them. Tell me about your life. Like what makes this hard for you? Like what, how are you holding up in all this? Like we never have that conversation because we're scared, right? We don't want to be judged by for being an imbecile to ask or I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what we're afraid of, but listen, I feel like, you know, the like black people, they're here to stay. Right. And as much as that is even harder for some people to acknowledge that gay people are here, like this isn't a passing fancy. Right. No. And so like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And so in the church, in the church world, this idea of being gay, like it was like just outright, right? Because Paul says this is an abomination, right? And rah rah rah. It's you know, clear in scripture that you can't, right? But you know what else is clear in scripture? Like being a jealous jerk, right? Or yep. being greedy, or being a liar, or cheating on your taxes, or not telling your financial plan, or all the things that are really happening, right? So then, like you're doing, like that's all sin to God, right? Now, 
Levels of sin, that's another conversation, right? Is murder the same as being gay? And is that the same as, I don't know, telling a sweet lie, right, just to make someone feel better? Like, I don't know. Like, that's another conversation. But, like, but I know for sure that the yuck that is in my life is no f- less gross to God than, than the yuck that I'm trying to find in other people's lives. Like, if I, it's easy for me. I'm watching this new show on the Netflix. I think it's called The Politician. The AG, the Assemblies of God in me, is always scared to talk about the movies and TV shows that I watch because we were really quite restricted on what we were supposed to be watching. And so I don't want you to judge me for the movies or the shows that I'm watching. But if they're a good show that's well-written, I'm really intrigued. And if there's dirty parts, because that's a thing for me, I'll fast-forward through the dirty parts. Like, I'm not really supposed to watch Game of Thrones, but I totally did. <laughs> and if like if they were like and I I would watch fully through all the bad language and I would watch fully through all like people having their guts ripped open or their heads cut off because that's not really a thing for me but I would totally fast forward through the radio parts because that is a thing for me. Anyway, I was watching this new show, The Politician. It's about like this high school kid. It's kind of like Election with Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon, which was Reese Witherspoon's first like big movie. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really really good movie. Anyway, it's kind of like that high school kids running for, and there's this. Guy on the show, James. James is like fluid. Hmm. And like, I want to know, like, I wanted to know, like, so I was Googling this James character, Theo something, right? And you look at all the pictures on Google and you still don't know, don't know, I don't know. So is it, is James, is this Theo kid like a girl that's guy like, or is it a guy that's girl like? You know, like, I don't, I don't know enough. But, like, my dad would be, like, like all this big long string of obscenities and horrible words about this person. Mm-hmm. You know, even people in the generation just above us, like a half a generation above us. Yes. Right? Yes. And, like, I don't have room in my life to figure out what your garbage is. Even if I think what you're doing is garbage, unless we're tight, unless you tell me that you want to go to heaven and you want to follow Jesus Christ and that... I don't know, like you're asking me for my input on how I'm living my life, then unless you're asking me that, I've got no authority. I've got no... Um, I think you said it best last night. It's not our job to judge other people's sin. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's just not. Yeah. Billy Graham said this. He said, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's my job to love, regardless of what I see in somebody else. Because Jesus talked about that too. Like, don't go looking for the garbage in someone else. Because I'm telling you, that's something you're trying to find in that other person. That's like a speck in their eye. And let me tell you that you have got like a two by eight. Right. I don't know building materials. But like a big planky thing, right? In your eye. In your eye. Mm-hmm. In your eye. Worry about that. Because you are you can't even see because of your plank. Right. Why are you trying to pick out someone's speck in their eye, dude? And like, he was pretty clear about that. Very clear. And so like... My gay friends, my drunk friends, my addict friends, my porn watching friends, my shopaholic friends, my like all the friends. They're just friends. They're just friends. Right. So unless I'm tight and unless they say, I think I'm going to heaven, Scott, am I going to go to heaven or am I living my life right? Or, you know, all these other things, unless I'm that close, unless I'm that close with them and they ask me. It's definitely not my job to stand there with a picket sign saying that you're going to hell because you're the way that you sin. Right. And it, it is tough, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to love everybody the same. And, and sometimes you even think you're loving everybody the same. And then somebody points out, maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Right. And, yep. and we say things that we don't even mean to say. We're yep. not saying them with 
Yeah. You know, intentional malice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> intentional yeah. malice. No, it just sometimes things come out and like you say, until you have those conversations with other people who do know, then you don't necessarily know what not to say. Right. I was thinking about just before I came, I was on social media and it's a horrible place to be right now. Terrible. I wish I would just stop it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I spill good into the world through my social media. Mm-hmm. But what I should do is just spill that and get out. Right. But then I always don't. Right. First, I want to make sure that people like the things that I say. And this is a sin for me because I feel like it's not just good enough to be good. This agape isn't enough just to love everybody and just put it out there. I, I need feedback where someone says, oh, you're so special because I don't know. My dad didn't love me enough or something. But that's another conversation as well. So it's on the social media and someone had posted um, some pictures of some celebrity, some celebrities in blackface, like Jimmy Fallon, right? And the other late night guy and some other people. It was like it was like a conservative person saying, look at these celebrities telling me how to live my life. And they had blackface. And I'm like, yep, that was stupid. You know, stupid. But like. At the time, because I was just thinking about what you just said. There's sometimes that we say things or do things where we're unaware of the insensitivity of it. Yeah. And and wisdom and growth comes from acknowledging, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Not defending the stupid, because you don't get you don't get to tell someone what you're doing is offensive or not. You don't get to say that. Right. Just like you don't get to say if you're hurting someone. You know? If if what you're saying to someone is hurtful to them and they say that hurts, that doesn't hurt. Could be in the you don't get to say that. And right. you don't get to say what's offensive or what's oppressive or what's holding people back or prejudiced or bigoted. You don't get to say, right? Correct. And you can't find the loophole that, that nope. gets you out. Nope. You just have to admit, admit, I was wrong. Yeah, this was stupid. Shouldn't have yeah. done that. The, the worth and the value of me putting blackface on or saying something or making a clever statement or making a joke that I thought was funny, it's never worth hurting somebody. And that's agape. Yes. It's a love that Paul would later write is patient and kind, that doesn't envy or boast, that isn't rude, self-seeking, or easily angered, that keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't take pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth, that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And most importantly, it's a love that never fails. It's that love that is available to you if you just lay down your struggles and pick up his salvation. Hmm. We were talking last night at LC downtown, which meets every Sunday now at six o'clock at Gather on Broadway. Uh, There's a free meal and it was really good. Last night it was like four cheese tortellini with a meat sauce and like roasted roasted broccoli broccoli, and it was fantastic. Garlic and balsamic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. really good. Really good. And so you, you can come and we eat and we visit and we get to know one another, just like the fellowship hall at the Lutheran church, right? Like that's such a big part of it. It's like, I feel like what we do downtown is we pick up all the great pieces of all the great ways that you can meet as a church and we put them into one. Yeah. Right. So we have this fellowship thing where we eat together and then we watch this message from typically Sean, but like someone here, right? And what I love about Sean and the rest of the team that teaches is that Without watering down the gospel, they deliver the gospel in such a way that it's easy for me to understand. And I, I always joke about how I'm not very smart, but I'm, I mean, I'm pretty smart. And so, like, he doesn't water it down for me. Like, it's still depth, but it just, it, he puts it in such a place where I, I can reach it. And that's special. So we watch that, and then we have a conversation about it. Like, it's just so good downtown. Anyway, so at downtown last night, we were talking, 
about this. And it's this verse that you've heard in every wedding you've ever been to, right? You heard Sean say, I'm just going to do it one more time. Love is patient and kind, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. Love never fails. And so they read this during a wedding because like, you want this to be a thing. In fact, when I do a wedding, I always say, hey, let's just switch out some words here. Heather is patient and kind, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Heather isn't selfish or quick-tempered. Heather doesn't keep a record of the, wrong, of the wrongs that I do. Heather rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Heather is always supportive. Right? That's what we do. But what we should be doing is not driving bride and groom's names in there. We should be dropping our own name in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I promise... Or I'm going to do my best to always be patient and kind, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. I'm going to do my best to not be selfish or quick-tempered. I'm going to do my best to not keep a record of wrongs that others do. I'm going to do my best that to rejoice in the truth but not in evil. I'm going to do my best to always be supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. I'm never going to fail. Like, if, like that's a mantra. That's a mantra. And the problem is, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we fail at something on that list every day. Every day. So it's acknowledging what you did wrong that day, right? Like taking a little video trip backwards in your day. Yeah. Seeing what you did wrong and where you could do better and try to do better the next day. Right. Right. Be thankful you wake up in the morning and have the opportunity to do something different, to make a better choice. I was driving to church last night and I was worked up. I always get worked up if I'm on my way to church or I'm on my way to Alpha because I'm thinking about all the things that I've got to do and I'm thinking about like, I just, I wish I weren't that way, but I am. So I was driving and then this like chick pulls her like 1992 minivan out and instead of pulling into the lane, like I feel like when you turn into a thing, you pull, you pull into the lane that's closest to you. You don't like cross lanes, right? But you pull into my lane and went super duper slow. Right, and I'm following her, I'm shaking my head the whole time. I want her to know that I'm shaking, but this is just last night, right? I just want her to know that I'm shaking my head. I disapprove of what she's done, right? I get even with her, right? And so it says, mom, three kids in the van, right? Who knows what she's on? Like, I, I don't know anything about her story. Mm-hmm. All I know is that she, she, she made my life difficult. And I'm using air quotes here, right? Made my life difficult because then I had to move lanes. Yeah, or go slower. Or go slower. Mm-hmm. Like, what What kind of jerk, right. right, wants to make sure that she knows how I disapprove of her? And if you're sitting and listening to this and you've not done that or you say you've not done that, you're a filthy liar. That's right. And you're probably going to go to hell anyway. So, like, I just feel like this is something we always do. And it's true of how we treat people at Walmart or Target or wherever we shop or the barista. Because the day before, I went to get, no, it was the same day. I went to get coffee at Starbucks, not for myself, but for my kids, because I wanted to do something nice because they were good that day. And so, and they didn't have, but I had my Saab and my Saab was in 1990, which was apparently before they had cup holders, because there's no cup holders in the Saab. It's not a fancy car. Let me just tell you, before you're like, oh, nice. Pastor Scott is like, it's like a, it's a $1,200 car. Anyway, so they say, we don't have a drink carriers. I'm like, what? No drink carriers <laughs> as I'm spending, right? $18 on coffee, right? Talk about privilege, right? Talk about uh-huh. first world, right? Right. No drink carrier. Pfft. Right? Like, why would I treat that guy like a jerk? Maybe it's his first day. Yeah. I don't know. We got to stop treating people like they're jerks. Yeah. I think, again, the first step is admitting that, right? Like, yep. for you to admit that, the next time you go there and you're talking to somebody and they say they're out of a drink thing, you're probably going to be like, oh, 
okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we need to do that. Right. I mean, that's agape. It is agape. Love for love's sake. All these things that we just read, and this is in 1 Corinthians, by the way, 1 Corinthians 13. It starts, that part starts in verse 4, so verse 4 through 8. But there's this whole part about like, what is it? What does faith look like? And, you know, what does love look like? And does love look like religion? What if I could speak all languages of humans and even of angels? If I didn't love, man, I would be nothing more than a clanging symbol. But what if I could prophesy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and had a faith that could move mountains? I would be nothing. Nothing. Unless I loved others. What if I gave away all that I owned and let myself be burned alive? Right, guys, you guys imagine like... Mm-hmm. Will Farrell reading this. Anyway, I would gain nothing unless I loved others. Love is everything. Agape is everything. All this other stuff, worldly stuff, religious stuff, not worth anything if you're not going to love about it. Right. You can wear all the fancy priestly clothes you want and worship in the most elaborate church in the world, but if you're not loving people, it's not anything. Why am I getting old scratchy voice now? You have to share, right? <laughs> you have to share the love. I mean, I think yeah. that's part of part of the agape is, is first feeling it, but then sharing it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have to, you have to find a way to make others feel that that's the love that you are presenting. And, and there are probably, um, multiple times in a day where you think you're doing the nicest thing you could for a particular person. And at the end of the day, you maybe (laughs) are going through that wheelhouse again. And you're like, Oh, mm, I, really could have probably done better and maybe I shouldn't have walked away or, you know what I mean? There's just, I just feel like it can always be better. Yeah. Right. And if, if each day you make yourself a little bit better in, in some fashion, then I think that someday maybe a portion of our life can be agape. Right. Where it just happens on its own. Yeah. It's not an effort. Right. Because when that baby is put in your arms, there's no effort. It's just, amazing love. Yeah. Right. And even as that ch- child grows, there's still the amazing love, but there are still times when I do things as a parent that I look back on and say, I wish I would have not been so fast to jump to a punishment or I wouldn't have been so, you know, um, judgmental on their perception of something. Yeah. Like maybe I should have taken time to listen or, you know, so as quickly as that feeling comes when a child is given to you and you, you on that first day when they're put on your belly, it goes away. And I guess that's the human part of us, right? Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's what we're born with. Human. It's Right. It's the human condition. We have to constantly try to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. I think that's it. I don't okay. know how long that lasted. Oh, it's gone. But, uh, Heather, thanks for coming. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did. Thank I you for you having me. Back again, was it as scary as you thought it was going to be? No. Okay. So you'll come back then? Yes. That's awesome. So and thanks I for. Big. <laughs> she was so small. I wish I could have seen it. Anyway, uh, if you enjoyed uh, this podcast, please uh, share it with someone that you feel like maybe could could benefit from hearing our conversation. Not that we're super smart or whatever, but like if there's something that came up and you're like, oh my gosh, my friend Bob or my friend Sue should totally hear this so please share it with others you can also subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms uh but join us uh this and every week uh as we chew on that thanks for being with us we'll see you next time